I did not have this on my 2021 bingo card. I will say that. (laughs) Well, we are thrilled that you're joining us. Hey. Hello. I'm Sarah. And I'm Nathaniel. And this is... To Be Completely Transparent. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. Today, we are going to be discussing activism. And we have a guest with us. So we have Jimena, and I will have Jimena introduce herself. Hi, everyone. I am thrilled, nervous, excited, feeling all the things to be here. (laughs) Um, I am a cat mom first. Yes, you are. And Mm -hmm. honestly, just a human being trying to make the world a better place. I love um, nature, (laughs) friends, and yeah, I don't really know what else to say. I don't like introducing myself by what I do. I think that we we should not be defined by what we do um, as labor. I think that we should be defined as how we are as human beings and how we interact with other people and our friends and families and our communities. And now everyone knows exactly why we brought Jimena as a guest on the podcast. I was thinking the exact same thing, so I'm glad we we got that out of the way. No, but I love that. I love that so much because that is like such an instinctual reaction. You're like, hi, I'm Sarah and I do this. I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. so boring. I love it. I'm going to start being like, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm a human being. (laughs) That's what I'm going to say. I love that. Yeah, let me me write that down. That reminder, right? It's sad. All right. So we um, have a recurring segment for Mm -hmm. for those who have been tuning in for uh, multiple episodes here. We do hot take of the episode. So I'm going to ask Kamena to share her hot take in a minute, but I'm going to throw it to Nathaniel first for his hot take of the episode. So this one, I'm going to I'm just going to circle back on this one, because after episode one, other people were like, I think I know what it's going to be. And I I didn't even think about it because I just thought it was a given. (laughs) So I just have to get this one out here. I know there'll be more that are maybe more surprising later on, but I'm just going to keep this one simple and, and state that the the most superior ice cream flavor is vanilla. And there's just, there's really, there really shouldn't be a debate, to be honest. Vanilla is being chosen number one every single time. Doesn't matter what part of the country, the world, vanilla. And that's that's it. That's all I have to say. As an ice cream lover... I hate that about you. It's the <laughs> only thing I dislike about you, truly. But that, it's okay. That is incredibly disrespectful. However, <laughs> live I, your truth, I, I guess. Will, I love how you I, cross I the line that. at ice cream and not the fact that he doesn't like chocolate. I don't. I. I can't. I don't think you can claim I don't like chocolate. To be completely transparent. But would you like? Would you go and choose chocolate? Like a candy of, bar, absolutely. Like if you really? Huh. Yeah. Huh. I don't know where. I, just not milk or ice cream. Okay. Or cake. Like, I guess, whatever. If you if I was forced <laughs> to eat someone's chocolate birthday cake, I guess I would eat it. But it's just fine. Brownies are fine. Twix, Snickers, all of that. Well, mm, minus okay. the peanuts part. Allergens. We don't want, we don't want that, but. True. I think, I, I wouldn't say it's the best, but I think ice cream is something so beautiful that anyone can have their favorite. And like, it's okay. like, you know, I don't. 
judge you for your favorites, not mine, but you know, vanilla is very versatile. I appreciate hearing that. I, I feel supported and loved. So thank you so much for that. Did you hear let that, me Sarah? clarify. Let me clarify Did you hear that, my Sarah? stance. Let me clarify <laughs> my stance. Please give me a moment. Let me advocate for myself. Okay. I I just am frustrated that you will not expand your palate to include more complex and intricate flavors of ice cream. You can like vanilla. That's vanilla valid. is good. Vanilla is versatile. Vanilla is delicious, I will I admit, but I just wish that you went out there and tried like all the other flavors, especially as someone who is lactose intolerant who cannot do it. I'm like you should because you're That's able very to. Fair. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm okay. saying. All right. I respect that. I hear you and I respect that. Thank I'll, you. I'll try. All I can do is try. That's all we're here That's doing. That's all is I ask. Trying to be That's better versions of ourselves, you know? So true. So okay. true. Um, well, I will share my hot take of the week because I don't think it's that controversial. But I do feel strongly about it. Um I do not think Timothy Chalamet is cute. There, I said it. Mm-hmm. Not my type. Not into it. I I disagree. <laughs> she, she's so hurt by I the disagree. fact that you said that. <laughs> wait, wait. There's a caveat. I disagree. Okay. I think he is cute. I just don't think he's hot. You Fair. know, I, I, I wouldn't make out with him at a bar. But, you know, I would, like, get a coffee with him. That's a good distinction. <laughs> okay. I just I just feel like recently I've seen a lot of hype. Everyone's like, oh my God, Timothy. And I'm just like, oh, I don't get it. Yeah. It's not for me. All right, Jimena, what is your hot take? Well, I, per usual, well, one, I'm very indecisive. Um, <laughs> two, um, I think I always have to have just a, you know, regular hot take and a political one, of course. Yes, I love that. <laughs> so my non-political hot take is that not only is oat milk the best alternative milk, but it's better than regular cow milk. And I know that we oat milkers, we get made fun of a lot, very um, stubborn, but I stand by it. I love oat milk. It's one of the best things to come out of new food things and yeah i love it have you made your own no but i i do want to try i have um an instapot that it came with like the little instructions on how to make it so i do want to try but it's just so easy to buy it's now it's like cheap as like the like nice kind of milk it's just five bucks so i would recommend making it though i i enjoyed my homemade oat milk next time i do it i want to i want to like flavor infuse it Mm. i did just a regular one but it was still really good oat milk i have only had once i have i've been on the almond milk train um i haven't really had regular milk in years well i guess outside of a random latte that i'll get so i'm 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 mostly with you like i would i would definitely try oat milk and incorporate that into the daily so maybe that'll be on my, Give my it a next swirl. Week's shopping list. Yeah. yeah, it's also the most eco-friendly of all the milks. Almond I have milk heard is that. superior. So Nathaniel doesn't care about the environment. That's what we've learned today. Correct. <laughs> Correct. I will drink all the almond milk. My political hot take. Yes, bring it. Is that there is no unbiased media, and I feel like a lot of people love mm-hmm. to talk about how oh. NPR, it's 
moderate, not biased, but that's not true. And probably the best media and the most accurate is the one that admits that it's that it is biased because we're all again human beings like no matter where you look everyone has political interests and so it's just not possible for people to be unbiased yep no complaints here (laughs) (laughs) um awesome so yeah like nathaniel said when we when we opened we're going to be discussing activism maybe a little bit of social justice you know just just chatting away, but for for context, I know Jimena, I think we we solidified our friendship at a protest. So I was like, who better to come and, and talk about this? So I'm really I'm really excited about that. But to just give a little bit of background, I'm gonna read a definition of activism and then I'm gonna ask Jimena to expand upon that or talk about what that means to her. So activism consists of efforts to promote, impede, direct, or intervene in social, political, economic, or environmental reform with the desire to make changes in society toward a perceived greater good. So that is the definition that I have. And I just want to throw it to you, Jimena, and talk about what that means to you and how you see that play out. Yeah, I really don't think of myself as an activist. And I think that I have heard a lot about, you know, the advocacy community really talking about how we should consider more ourselves more, you know, organizers because that puts more emphasis on the fact that we are doing work in the community more than just like speaking up. Um, I think that that's a big thing that we need to talk about more. But yeah, I mean, activism to me is just using my my platform, my whatever platform I have, I guess my 800 followers on Instagram, um, <laughs> uh, just my voice to just speak up about things that are not, you know, really being shown in the mainstream media, you know, things that the mainstream media purposefully leaves out of the conversation and then taking that and doing something about it, something material, something that I want to talk about a lot is like ac- action and more than just standing up for what you believe in, you know, on Instagram anyone can share something to their story but that we need to emphasize more on what we should be doing in our communities and that to me is a activist advocate organizer you know whatever you want to call it um yeah no I totally I totally agree I totally feel that I think one thing I wanted to follow up on was like being an active advocate so like in your in your opinion your perspective um what what makes a good advocate like what what can people do to to be active and and productive in that space i think that when applicable which i'd say like eight nine times out of ten when you're sharing something on social media unless it's like bringing to light a subject that the mainstream media isn't really covering i think having a call to action with whatever you're sharing i think that giving people material actions what to do you know here's this problem here's how you can address it in your community it's great to bring light to the subject but we live in the era of social media you know everyone is is bringing light to it and and i'm that's not bad i mean it's good it keeps the conversation going it definitely holds the people in power accountable when everyone's talking about something but i think that you can't be stuck in this phase of just bringing light to it we can't stuck in that and actually have to have concrete steps on you know what you can be doing like in your community and there is always something that we can be doing so yeah that's that's what I think I guess we can like further the conversation on 
how people arrive at actually taking action on those further the call to action like what can you know your average person who is wanting to genuinely be better do better learn more like what do you do what are the next steps i think it obviously like you're saying you know can't end at social media like there has to be concrete examples of things you do in the community and actions that you take so what do those look like and what have those looked like for for you and and others around you it's a great question and i think that it looks different for everyone especially the last year some of us are immunocompromised some of us can't be out protesting and i think that there's so many different ways that you can show up you can obviously boost things that aren't being talked about you can contribute financially um, to your local mutual aid organizations if you don't have the money which a lot of us don't because we live in capitalist hell um Mm. then boost that right you know i'm gonna fundraise i'm going to send you a picture of my cat if you donate five dollars to this right so there's things that we can do and 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 also you know volunteering and that can look really different and there's organizations that have accommodated for sure i mean i i feel like i've been unfortunately connor my partner he lost his job and so he doesn't have health insurance right now so we've been a little more wary obviously we're all being careful but um we've been a little more wary about you know going out and being around a lot of people and but we have found like a, a couple organizations that are no contact so for example one is like a housing action and you know it's no contact we just drop off um tenants rights information uh, to people that are facing eviction and it's safe Um, It's just a couple hours. And so there's ways that you can participate no matter where you're at. There's different things that you can do. And so I think that everyone has this idea of, you know, what being an advocate, an activist, whatever you want to call it. And they just see the stereotypical, like you're out in a protest, but that's not true. There's so many other things you can do. Um, You can volunteer for places and, you know, help do their social media, um, help, you know, set up the volunteers for the weekend. Um, that's something that Cohan, which is one of the places where we volunteer, they have a volunteer point person where they like follow up with volunteers. And um, it's just people like me that volunteer and just like, you know, make sure that they have all the information. So um, there's different levels of being involved um, and different ways that you can do that. So yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, no, that's super helpful. I think something that I was always advised on when I was asking these questions I mean I still ask these questions but you know when I look for things to do it's the advice I've received has always been walk the walk and talk the talk right you can't hide behind your phone screen and and put something up and pretend on your social media like you are fully supportive of these movements and not take action in your own life and and I love that you say that that can look different for for everyone and then you know I know a lot of my friends and family who aren't comfortable protesting for a variety of reasons and that's valid so you know there's so many other ways like you mentioned to get involved and you know I think for me learning that you know when I am in a financial place to do so that the financial assistance is what a lot of these places you know, really want. And so I'm very, very grateful to be employed and to have 
extra funds to be able to donate and, and to support those things. And I think that that's something that's been, um, you know, really important for me. But then I, I think that the, the next level is continuing conversations in your, in your circles, people that aren't, don't exist in your echo chamber, right? Like people who you may interact with on, you know, a regular or, or irregular basis and just having conversations about these topics and bringing them up and and using that space to to educate and to bring awareness to whatever the issue might be you know I think that's something that I also feel like is is an important action that a lot of people aren't sure how to go about taking like for me I I I think like when I talk to some of my family members who do not hold the same political views as I do it's really important for me to not just like let comments go anymore like I can't just Mm -hmm. let it go when they bring things up or or say something that might be problematic like I personally feel like I have to address it and so that's something that I do to be you know an an advocate or an ally as best as I can yeah and that yeah that's amazing and I think that for me I don't have that um, experience as much because I don't really have family here. Um, The politics that my family in Mexico really talk about are very different from the ones here. But I I definitely, you know, if I were in that situation, obviously I I would agree. I do agree um, that that is a great way to keep the conversation going. But I think that recently, um, since the election, I have kind of had a little bit of a a new perspective on that, um, this idea of this echo chamber. Um, I think that you're right, social media is an echo chamber, but I think we also have to acknowledge that it's a very liberal echo chamber. Um, And I think that we look at, I mean, there was a lot of conservative people. We saw how many people voted for Trump. Um, But there's also so many people that are moderate or liberal that have the same end goals as someone like me who's way more left but they have been I'm like kind of stuck in the mainstream media and what they tell them you know at the end of the day the mainstream media is owned by like five or six different conglomerates and it it's all to maintain the status quo we need other perspectives perspectives of people that are on the ground organizing and I think that we have so much more opportunity to get to the these more liberal people that need to kind of have their bubbles burst, need to stop watching MSNBC, because we have to realize that what got us to Trump was liberalism. It was the Obama administration and, and the Clinton administration. And I just see so much more opportunity in that than mm-hmm. in trying to win over someone that is doesn't necessarily have the same goals as me right yeah totally yeah no that that's a really really good point I I mean I agree with you I think it's it's that's an important piece of the puzzle to navigate and I think the the difference now versus maybe eight ten years ago is is that we are seeing a divide within the left-leaning crowd and and it's always been there I think but I think it's becoming more apparent maybe and that's and I think that's what you're talking about is like that's the place where we need to focus our energies and I I totally agree I think that that's that's huge okay well I have an example yeah of something material um so we talk about the liberal echo chamber I mean personally I feel like I'm one of very few people that are 
on social media. I, and I know that right now we're all tired and we've just been through a whole election and it, it was exhausting and it's still exhausting. But uh, there's things that the mainstream media and, you know, the establishment, the democratic establishment, um, that is why I think that m me and other leftists, we hold Democrats more accountable and we are more mm. of them because they claim to have the same end goals as us, right? They want people to have access to healthcare and they want us to address climate change. Um, but then they don't do the things that actually are going those things, right? You know, it's all talk and no walk. It's just representation without any material help. And that is why I think that it's important to acknowledge that we need to be holding them more accountable. Republicans, the GOP conservatives, they don't even claim to want these things, right? Right. Why should we waste our time? I mean, we obviously should be critical. God awful, but it just seems more productive to me to hold the people that claim they want the same things as me. But as far as an example of something that I have seen um, kind of be echoed in social media, I, I always go back to last year when we were out protesting the whole summer. It was incredible to see everyone really caring and, and talking about it every day and just feeling that energy from the, the movement. But then there were that is a, a, such a good example of when the status quo can come in and co-opt it, right? We saw things like the eight can't wait campaign that, you know, they claim, I mean, I'm, I don't know if they were trying to co-opt it. I don't know if they had good intentions or not. I can't speak for that. I do know that what their demands were, were all reforms of the police. And at the end of the day, it just gave the police more money. And to us, these conversations, to the mainstream media, they're relatively new, but there have been organizers that have been talking about police abolition for decades. These are not new things. Um, we are just now coming to talk about them in the mainstream media, which is great, but something like that is such a good example of how people can look at a campaign like that. And I saw people raising money for them and it was exhausting and really scary to kind of see and be and I had to you know reach out and be like hey I'm so so happy to see that you're really passionate about this and like trying to do something good but like this is actually hurting the cause this is giving the police more money and I think that it's such a good example of a way that that echo chamber can actually turn around and, and be harmful yeah Okay, so on the, the topic of exhaustion, emotional exhaustion, fatigue, um, which is something we've talked about previously, and a lot of people simultaneously throughout the world are talking about it. You know, when it comes to being engaged or staying engaged, trying to be an activist and feeling so beat up or exhausted, how, how does one cope with that? I would love to know the answer to that one. <laughs> I'm still trying I'm to figure gonna, it out. How can one try to, to <laughs> cope with that? I know that's that's the million dollar question. And yeah, yeah, and I just keep going back to how that's another example, actually, of how the mainstream media kind of co opts these things. Mental health, thankfully, now in a part in a time in our society where we are talking openly about mental health, but it's all now going to rest, you know, 
go for a walk, go to therapy. And I hate it. I hate that because people can't afford to go to therapy, you know? Like, it's so easy for you to sit there with your six-figure salary and say, go to therapy, but a lot of people can't afford it. And that's why we need Medicare for all, you know? It, mm-hmm. it, it is just something that is not talked about a lot. And, like, it's just one of the many examples like climate change, you know, we're so quick to make these commercials. Like I just saw a commercial the other day about toilet paper, I think. And it was like, oh, this toilet paper is made all from like recycled or something like that. And it was just showing all these individuals like turning their lights off and being like, oh, it makes you feel so good about being eco-friendly. And it's like everyone in the world could be eco-friendly and it wouldn't matter because 71% of global emissions are caused by corporations. So that's just one, yeah, that's just how we need to be talking about that. And like, I think that it's so easily drowned out in the liberal echo chamber. Totally. And I think that the the core, maybe the core reason or the core motivation behind these campaigns for whether it be mental health, whether it be the environment, whatever it is, like, it all relies on this individual action and this individual mandate as opposed to more collectivist thinking that would support the, you know, well-being and and betterment of of the community and of Mm -hmm. the entire society. And it's, and I, that to me is, is very American. It's like, you know, even, even liberal America is like, well, yeah, like, thanks for protesting. Like, go see your therapist, talk it out, like, sit it out for a week, as opposed to saying, like, how about we fix the systemic problems here so that we don't have to protest every week for our whole lives? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's so individual. The burden is always on the individual. The burden is always back on the person. And, ne- like, the focus is never on, you know, let's lift up our community as a whole. Definitely. And, you know, I, I think that it, that goes the other way as well when we talk about and, like, look at mass shootings and we look at white supremacists, not in any way defending them or anything, but they are a product of society that is exploited and overworked. And when it all doesn't go the way that they American Dream tells you it'll go, these people are isolated. They don't have... One, they are told that they shouldn't go to therapy because, you know, toxic masculinity. But then two, they they probably don't even have access to it in the first place. If they do, it's a lot of money. And so just inevitably, that's how they're created, right? So it definitely goes everywhere you look. It's just entrenched in our society. Yeah. I feel like for me personally, like my radicalization, we'll call it, over, you know, the past couple of years or so keeps going to the the structures and the systems in place here that are causing all these problems. And it's like you, you can talk about any issue in this country. You can talk about any topic and it all goes back to some sort of systemic issue that has not been addressed and that's that's for you know that's for change that's for progress but that's also for like you said the horrifying realities of lack of access to mental health being turned in the opposite direction as well right like this violence that's coming out and 
I yeah, I just think that the more that I talk about these things, the more that I think about them, I'm like the only way to truly change and the only way to truly move forward as a country is to think about how we can dismantle everything that currently exists and rebuild it in a more equitable equitable fashion. And yeah, it's like I could get I could get so deep down this this rabbit hole of like, well, you know, if we change this, then this, then this, then this, you know, and it's it is exhausting and it is really, really tiring. And I think, you know, it's it's important to continue to talk about these things, continue to address these things, but do so in a way that, you know, you care for yourself as well. And I know that that goes back to contradict my whole individualistic <laughs> thing that I talked about. But at this point, we don't have a lot of well, options. It's, it's, it's about taking care of each other i think that we have to look at it more we have to take care of each other the government taking care of us (laughs) but Mm -hmm. there's so many of us that are here we want a better world we know it's possible we have endless resources endless and it's possible but it's so hard to see that but i um i'm reading a a book right now um about abolitionist organizing and what you just said kind of reminded me of something that Miriam said, the author, uh, and it's ex- it's really overwhelming to like look at all these problems and and look at how it's all entrenched everywhere you look. And doing something as radical, which as Angela Davis said, at radical just means grasping things at the root. Doing something radical like abolishing the police, you know, it seems like. So so hard to do and we all we want to do is just look at it and say well what do we have and how can we change it but that's not the question that we should be asking she says we should be asking what can the world look like there's all these million things that can happen but that's a million starting points that's a million different ways that we can approach it and different ways that we can build a community that works for everyone and so I just thought that that's such an important perspective um and people often look at advocates and especially like abolitionists as people that just want to tear down but true abolitionists are people that want to build up and want to create a community that where people are there for each other and not a community that punishes and just uses police as you know reactive and really just go being proactive one other point i wanted to i wanted to mention from this idea of being overwhelmed by everything is there are there's so many ways to be an activist and i feel like a lot of it is is typically issue driven and you know we know everything is connected we know that intersectionality is important we know that there's a lot of different things at play here but I mean, what what's your perspective on on folks who feel this feeling of overwhelmed? They want to get involved, but they don't know, you know, what issue to choose. Do I choose one? Do I choose all of them? How do I show up for all of these different things that need to change? Like, what's your perspective on on that? Because I think that that sometimes is uh, an inhibiting factor for a lot of people to start getting involved. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally fair. Um, and it is overwhelming. And I think that it's like everything, learning and unlearning about racism and everything. It's a practice. It's a lifelong practice. It's not something that you just arrive at. You just continue to work on it. I think that 
starting locally is something I will always say. Look for those mutual aid organizations. It's not it's not charity. It's it's what I said. It's taking care of each other. Um, it's building community so that people don't have to interact with the systems that are just going to put them further into, you know, poverty or whatever or any other thing. So I think starting locally is the best way to go. You know follow those organizations and it, you know it, it takes time you have to research you have to really you know look around because it's not like these things are easily accessible obviously the government and the mainstream media isn't really talking about them i think more so now because we're in a pandemic but you know before the pandemic i was before i really got involved in mutual aid work they i've been hearing things that like the police would go and like shut down places where they were handing out food to people. So like this is criminalized, it, it, and it's and I think that it's important to realize how it takes effect in the community. There's other organizations that maybe do like brake light. I think they're called clinics, um, and they replace people's brake lights, and that is another way that you can decrease people being inter interacting with police. So. I think that we've been taught that mutual aid or organizations are charity, but it's not. It's community work. It's building power outside of the systems that oppress us. Uh, because one day you might be helping out a community member and then the next week you could lose your job and you need someone to be there for you. And that is powerful. That builds power. Yeah, yeah. Starting locally is, is huge and something I think is often overlooked. Because they see, you know, national news, they see these headlines coming from Washington, right? But they, they sometimes maybe forget or overlook or, or don't feel connected to people who live right down the street from them, you know? So I think that's, that's great advice. For sure. I think that people, um, you know, I, it seems like there are a lot of people who want just positivity for for their communities um, and it has been made so tough to get there because you'll have people fighting other people in the community or this this last year of being in a pandemic has been so incredibly wild for me to, to see struggling people blaming other struggles on struggling people and like everyone's really going through the same thing and then they're just like <laughs> well why is this person getting unemployment and i'm working in this store during a pandemic and like no one should be in a position where they have to be unsafe and they have to feel like they're choosing between like feeding their family and safety and like the whole thing was just you're both not being treated the way you should like we should be uplifting more than we are and it, it seems like people do want that and then at the same time they're like well it's someone has to be to blame and that blame goes to other working class people it's kind of that you know what you were talking about made me think about that like you know this 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 work that people are doing to support other people in the community can we keep doing that can that be expanded like so that people do feel supported like it shouldn't be this fight between people who all have been kind of left behind if I want to you know if you want to word it like that um, and that that's what mm -hmm. came to mind and we're taught to not accept help you know mm -hmm. people's the word handout right it's like mm -hmm. oh you know you're being 
handed mm-hmm. something. You know, don't mind, you know, all of the systemic ways in which they are taking, you know, our lives. You know, don't, don't mind the fact that you work 60-hour weeks and have no access to healthcare or mental health or our world is dying. You know, don't mind that you getting unemployment as a handout. Like, it's just a completely backwards way to look at it. But that that's the way that they have taught you know americans it's it's all about your own bootstraps but never about the fact that people don't have boots and it's once again that individual mandate to to take you know take initiative and take responsibility for everything you know ignore the fact that systems weren't set up for you to succeed in the first place and that's intentional Mm -hmm. right like they do that so that the power and the status quo can be maintained as it is right and and i think people have always you know people activists allies advocates mostly people of color right in this country have always been saying this Mm -hmm. they have always been working for this They've always been like, hello, the government is not working for me. Hello, these systems were literally set up to keep me disadvantaged, to keep me poor, to keep me whatever else. And I hope, I'm so hopeful that enough of the people who do have more of the privilege and power in this country are recognizing this reality and coming to the table and and using their resources to help. We'll see. I'm a little skeptical still, but we'll see. I was thinking about the episode that you guys did and when you were talking about being exhausted, and then I love what you both said it was capitalism. Um, <laughs> and that's exactly what you were just saying. It's it's built that way on purpose. It's designed like that. It's designed to keep us exhausted so that we don't have the energy to stand up and fight back. It's all designed that way. And I think that when you pull the veil back, it's it's a lot at first, but then it's amazing the way that you can see things differently once you really start to look at it from that lens. I'm reading um, Intuitive Eating, which has been amazing, but they don't even talk about how diet culture is a part of that. It's a part of capitalism. It's that we need to look this way and eat this way and shame us for you know eating this and that and this diet works and you need to be going to this gym and burning a thousand calories what does that all do it's just you consuming they don't tell you that you know if you stop doing all these diets and just actually listen to what your body is telling you to eat like you are going to be eating what your body needs right like if if you need a certain nutrient and you actually have learned to listen to your body, then you are going to start craving it. You know, you don't need to buy all these diet packages. You don't need to do all these things. And I thought it was really funny and just like, it was like kind of like a moment for me. Like they, they don't even talk about that in the book, but I see how it's all related back to capitalism. I see that it's just all a way to make us consume. And it's like, well, this diet didn't work, but this one will work. And this you know, gym didn't work, but this one's will, where they don't even talk about how, like, it's perfectly healthy to, you know, just do free yoga class at your home or go for a walk. Like, going for a walk is amazing, and it you a lot of calories just going on a walk, and, and but no, they don't want you to know that, because then you're not gonna spend $400 a month at the gym. And yep. don't get me wrong, I love the gym. 
<laughs> no, it's so true. I mean, we could just end this podcast here. No more episodes needed. It's just you ever have a problem? <laughs> it's capitalism. Like <laughs> always, always, always. And I hate the devil's advocates who are like, well, I mean, if you look at it this way, and I'm like, shut the fuck up, Chad. I don't care about your econ degree that you slept through and paid people to take your classes online for you. Like, I don't care what you think about capitalism. It sounds like you've had that personal experience. (laughs) I'm going to plead the fifth on who that was, but yes, but yes. There have been many, many, many a time and, where I have to just excuse myself. And it's funny before things get rowdy. because those people, the chads or however you want to call them, <laughs> they say like, oh, you just believe what the media is telling you. And they love they like right. you're brainwashed and, you know, you're just believing all the cancel culture stuff when like really like Chad, you're brainwashed, Chad, like the one that's being led like fed all these lies your whole life like sorry i hate to break it to you chad you don't understand <laughs> chad, oh poor baby chad i feel bad for the Shout chads we know you. out there that i was gonna say <laughs> that are not problematic sorry the only chad i think guys. i kind of know is very nice not at all like a stereotypical chad so i'm sorry i'm sorry yeah. chad yeah I'm sorry. I that was that was stereotypical of me. It's just the first name that came to mind. If any chats are listening, not all chats, like, you know. Please feel free to reach out. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, I have one last question for you, Jimena. I I hope this is more more lighthearted, maybe more fun. Okay. Um, what is your favorite protest or? activist or advocate story or moment that you have like do you have a moment that stands out from from your experiences that is just like you felt the camaraderie or or whatever and you just like you know heart was full tell me about that yeah oh wow I think my mind immediately went to last summer um at the very beginning of the protests we had just been locked up for months right it was like just a couple months. Oh, no, it seems so far, so far away. But um, yeah, we were locked up. And at first I was really anxious, obviously, because we really know exactly how the virus was spreading and stuff. But, you know, once I got to downtown Columbus and um, went to that first protest, I just remember like seeing how many people turned up during the pandemic to protest horrible murders and yeah it was just really inspirational to see that and to see how powerful that the community can be when they come together um and then just seeing it continue honestly the whole summer it was really cool to see new people coming out um there's like a few people that you know have told me that it was like their first time going out and protesting so that's always such a cool thing for me to see um because i was there once too you know we all were Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that was one. But, you know, there's so many. There's just so many. Yeah. I think that your first time is obviously always very powerful to, to be there. But, but yeah. Oh, I love that. I mean, I don't love that we had to be protesting. <laughs> right. But I, yeah. I do. But I do love. I do love that. That's it's always nice to to see new people get out and and to feel like, you know, you're seeing a, a critical mass of people getting involved. And, and that always is nice. So love it 
I also I think I have two that stand out. My first one was also last summer, first time I ever protested with my mom. It was really cool. Like we went together and, you know, we had both been to other like rallies and protests um, individually. And she would always send me pictures of like her sign that she took. It was very cute. But it was the first time that, you know, that we got to go together and we went many many times over the summer and each one it was just it was just really cool to have that experience with her and and to feel like she and I could talk about these things and connect about these things and I mean like my mom is my best friend so I'm I'm really grateful that we have that relationship and we have the ability to to talk about and and critically think about these things I think a lot of folks our age don't always feel that way w- with their parents you know some do of course but but the the generational differences I think um, can sometimes get in the way of that and so I was just really grateful for that and my second one was the women's march in DC that we went to I just like that whole weekend was wild and amazing and just like I have never felt more proud to be a woman and than I did in that weekend and it was just like the best and I cried because all of the celebrities that I idolized were like literally like down the street from me. And I was just like, I can't believe it. I was like fangirling. But yeah, those are those are my favorites. I thought of another one when you were talking about. Um, yes. I think that for the first time I've over the years, even before last year, I've gone to a lot of rallies and protests. But last summer was the first time that I had seen the community come together, not just everyone being there, but seeing people like organizing like food and first aid like that to me was like really cool to see. And like, you know, the couple times that they like pepper sprayed us and um, tear gassed us, like the way that the first aid people like came around and even just like other people like I, I we brought a couple of things with us and like, you know, people had things in their eyes and everyone was making sure that other people were okay. And it was so cool to see because it is really scary, obviously, to like Mm -hmm. and see all those videos of the police, um, you know, being really violent. Um, But when you like look around and see that everyone there has your back, it's really cool. Jimena, my very first protest was with you several years ago. I don't remember. She's like, that was probably protest 475. Like, like, I don't I don't know. But no, it, it was a few years, several years ago. And for me, it, it was definitely a great experience, uh, very new to me. And just overall, like I've been so appreciative of your just commentary and willingness to to talk and learn and exchange ideas. Like I've learned so much from you. And I know it's literally since 2015, 2016, like we've continued to have these conversations and like they've been eye-opening. So I really do appreciate that, you know, having having people who are just willing to, to, to be vulnerable, to be honest, to engage with the people they care about is, is so important. And <laughs> I remember when I joked about the, the sweater that I should get, saying... Pimenta made me a socialist. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. You also that's like texted it, but... out of the blue. You were just like, we weren't even talking, and you were just like, <laughs> you were like, you made me a socialist, and I was like, oh, okay. 
Okay. <laughs> Great. That's gonna be our very first piece. Our very first piece of merch for the podcast <laughs> is gonna be a Metamania socialist. <laughs> Seriously, I just uh, no. I I really thank you for that and and. You know, talking about this, it's it's been something a lot of people, regardless of their background, have brought up and have talked about in the last year, specifically. So, you know, being able to hear what your experience has been, how, you know, your experiences have impacted other people, I think it's important to talk about. So, once again, thank you so much for talking about it and joining us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Yes, I... I know you're like one of the most humble people I've ever met in my entire life, so you'll never give yourself no. all the credit you <laughs> I'm gonna deserve. Say, this is but... all stuff I learned from other people. Like nothing. No, but it's but you are a conduit of that information in such an incredible, loving, caring, and very inclusive way. And my one of my favorite things about you is your willingness to continue to learn and continue to correct yourself if you ever have anything that you know that needs to be updated because of new information like that I admire that so much and it's it's amazing to see you out there you're relentless in your pursuits for equity and and you know a better world and it's just it's inspiring like I always am like what what is Jimena doing what is she thinking what is she saying like I'm always checking in (laughs) because I just I just appreciate that about you so much so yes thank you so so much for being here for talking with us for sharing your thoughts I I'm really excited to see people's reaction to this episode because I think you gave an incredible amount of action steps that folks can take. And I'm, I'm excited to see if anyone listening here is, is going to bite on any of those because I think that they're really great starting points for a lot of people. So thank you for being with thank us. Thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I would have never imagined myself doing anything <laughs> like this, but it was really awesome. And I appreciate you guys so much doing something like this. It's it's hard to do. Um, it's hard to do in a society that teaches us the opposite, just like you guys said, to to be vulnerable, to be transparent. It's it's not an easy thing, and it's not easy for me. I don't know how it looks like on the other side. But it's not easy for me. I am a very anxious person, and I I just like I think that I need to realize that you know, like you said, we're gonna mess up, but we have this whole community of people that are are wanting to grow and learn and that's what we have to fall back on so and that's you guys absolutely Alrighty. well thank you big shout out to Jimena for being here today thank you everyone for listening we are so grateful that you uh tuned in yet again so you know what to do follow the instagram follow the twitter send us your thoughts send us your comments and we'll see you next time see you next episode bye (laughs) bye